0: Jesus, thank you for tonight. I thank you for the rain. God, it's refreshing, Lord, and I pray even tonight as we get into your word that you would refresh our hearts as you refresh the Aina, Lord. As uh, you rain down, God, upon our, our thirsty land, God, rain upon our hearts, Lord, your Holy Spirit. And God, we ask that as you speak to us, Lord, that your spirit, would speak loudly, and we would listen. We ask for your spirit to anoint this time, God. And we ask you, Jesus, for your continued presence as we open your word. And and God, move us, Lord. Change us. Transform us. Motivate us, God, Lord, and help our lives to be given over to you more and more with what we study tonight. So, Lord, bless your word. Bless your people as we get into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I came across this recent article that was headlined like this. Let me read it to you. Pandemic fears give way to a rush for bomb shelters. That was the headline. And it went on to say in the article, since Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, European anxiety has shifted from COVID to nuclear annihilation. Bunkers, survival guides, and iodine pills are flying off the shelves. Isn't that interesting? Well, this article comes from uh, northern Italy, and people there are preparing for a nuclear attack with its radio- radioactive fallout. And as the article says, uh, and the end of the world as we know it. A company called Minus Energy has gone from working on 50 bunkers in the past 22 years to fielding 500 inquiries in just the past two weeks. The company owner, uh, Julio Kavakoiloi, said, we have found ourselves in the midst of this giant cyclone of demand. As he said this, he showed off uh, underground air filtration system that, quote, cleans radioactive particles, nerve gas, and other biological agents. And he added this in the article. He said, it's a hysteria for construction of bunkers. Uh, Often, let's see, he said, driven by the fear of Russian nuclear warheads reaching across Europe. And he says it's much scarier now. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, as we continue to pray for Ukraine, the country, and the people there, uh, many are wondering that, right? I mean, will Putin, you know, go ahead and and usher in nuclear weapons, and will this bring in like World War III, a nuclear war, and will this be, will it be, if that happens, the end of the world? Well, as we return to our study tonight in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus gives the disciples, and we get to study this and listen in, he gives the disciples uh, what the things are, what's going to happen, the things that will happen before what we call the end of the world happens. So I believe in what we're studying here tonight, and actually it's going to be several parts here. It's going to help us answer that question, really. Is it? Is it? Is this it? Is this the end of the world? So we're going to be looking at that Tonight. I've titled the message, The Signs Before the End. The Signs Before the End. And if you see on your screen, it's part one. We're going we're gonna to go slow through this chapter. We're going to take our time. Uh, we're going to be covering uh, tonight from verses uh, 5 through 11. F- or, I'm sorry, 10. 5 through 10. Excuse me if I put that wrong on the screen. But it's going to be verses 5 through through 10. Uh, Next time, uh, we're going to pick up the rest of this section. Maybe we'll do two parts. I'm not sure. But uh, for now, we're going to see these three things. And this is our outline in our passage. Number one, the collapse of the temple system. Number two, the crowd of false messiahs. And number three, the conflicts between nations. So that's the three main things we're going to be seeing here. And we're going to be focusing in, in these just first part of what Jesus is going to be talking about. Well, what is going to happen before the end of the world? So the signs before the end, this is part one. Let's begin with number one in our outline, the collapse of the temple system. The collapse of the temple system. Now, take a look with me here on verses five and six. And that's what we're going to be covering here in our first heading under our first heading so verse 5 it begins here in luke chapter 21 verse 5 it says here and while some were speaking of the temple how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings he said as for these things that you see the days will come when there will be not Uh, when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So we'll stop right there. So we begin here with Luke writing that there was some, we see in verse 5, some were speaking of the temple. Now the some here is actually the disciples. Uh, In the parallel passages in Matthew chapter 24 and Mark chapter 13, it tells us that actually the disciples actually, asked him these questions the the disciples came were talking in this way and um we even get more detail in the other gospel that uh it was actually like the 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 intimate disciples like peter and john guys but i'm sure all the disciples listened in here so the sum here is basically the disciples and we key into that from the other gospels matthew and Mark. And so they were speaking, they were talking, verse 5, of the temple. We're talking about the Jewish temple. Back then, the Jewish temple, that was the main place where all the Jews came, right, to worship the Lord, bring their sacrifice, uh, celebrate the feast. That's the temple that they were talking about, the Jewish temple. Now, they were commenting on, they're looking at the temple, and they're making comments on, oh, this is so amazing. Look how it is Adorned with noble stones. Now you got to understand. Back then, Harold had Hera had refurbished the temple, and he 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 refurbished it with like white stone, this bright white stone, and like polished marble. And there was plates of gold, and it was like a, a wonder of the world. So they're just uh, uh, looking at this, the wonder and the beauty of the temple. And they also mention here and offerings. So. They also mentioned the offerings. What's that? Well, the offerings is like gifts from wealthy benefactors and like sculptures or nice looking plaques that were adorning the temple. Even we know that Herod he had uh, donated a six foot high golden grapevine with golden grapes on it uh, to adorn this temple strung throughout the temple walls. So it was pretty uh made up you know i mean it it was it was pretty renovated refurbished into something very grand here so as jesus and the disciples they were actually leaving the temple area the disciples made these this these admiring comments about that well at this time in ancient history this jewish temple you can tell was a sight to see it was beautiful It, it was wonderful What they were looking at is what I mentioned really is what is called Herod's Temple. Herod's Temple. That's what it's called. Because Herod, who who was like sort of, I guess, like the mayor, an overseer of the area of Judea that Rome allowed him to be like, quote, unquote, sort of like a king. Well, Herod, to gain favor and manipulate favor from the Jews... He put money into rebuilding and revamping the Jewish temple. Now understand this. This is Herod's temple, it's called. It's a revamped uh, second temple. The first temple, if you remember, was a temple built by King Solomon. And that was built in 965 B.C., Uh, But it was destroyed. Remember when King Nebuchadnezzar came, Babylon came, and they destroyed it in 586 B.C. And the Jews were taken into captivity. That was the first temple, but it was destroyed. But then there was a second temple built by Zerubbabel when he went back to Jerusalem, went back to the homeland, went back with the first Jews who returned from the captivity in Babylon, and built, started to rebuild the temple in five thirteen b c well, that was a temple that stood for a long time until Herod came along and decided to renovate it to remodel it, to do a favor and that began in seventeen b c and wasn 't finished really all the way up to sixty four a d even after it was, it kept going after the after Jesus had died on the cross and so At this time, standing during Jesus' time was Herod's temple. John 2.20 actually tells us that, oh, it had been standing there like 46 years now. But you can see probably that most of it or a lot of it was done, I would say, because the disciples are looking at it like, whoa, this is pretty crazy. So we had the first temple King Solomon built. The second temple, uh, which is what Zerubbabel came and built, and then we have like Herod's temple, which is like second temple 2.2. Yeah, version 2.2. And remember, there's a third temple that's going to be built during the tribulation years. That will be the third temple. And there will be another one in the millennium, too. But right now, it's that second temple, version 2.0. And it's just, it's just incredible. It's a, a, a wonder of the world. So... Picture this now. Jesus' disciples, they're making their way back to Bethany. Remember Bethany was where they were staying, most likely at Mary, Martha, Lazarus, you know, their house. And that's where they go back to. Um, And so they're leaving the temple area. And it's Wednesday. Jesus had a full day of teaching. We've been covering that in the last chapter. And now he's heading back. He's been going back to the temple every day from his from his uh, stay there in Bethany. So he's heading back from the Temple Mount, Jerusalem, going through uh, the Kidron Valley. Now, moving through the Kidron Valley, and then they're going to go up the Mount of Olives, and over the top of that hill, actually, on the other side is Bethany. So they're heading that way. So I could imagine they left the temple area. It was a long day of teaching. They're in a the temple. They're moving through the Kidron Valley. And then they're coming up the Mount of Olives. And then probably some of the disciples had turned around and looked back at this magnificent temple standing there on the hill. They say from the, the highest point of the temple down to the Kidron Valley is like 450 feet. So it, it's a pretty... Im, Im, Incredible sight to see. So they're turned around, they're like, Whoa, look at that. Look, look look at look at the temple. I mean it's shimmering, yeah. In 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 the light, in the sunlight, bronze doors, even that gold plating, the polished marble. It was it was just a breathtaking, you know, sight to see. So they're talking about this temple, all adorned. Look at that. Wow, it's so beautiful. Look, look, look at God's temple there. Well, as they were speaking, Jesus said this from the end of verse 5. He said, verse 6 is, For these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So they're making all these comments, and then Jesus says, Hey, you know about that shiny temple? You know about that temple that you're like, Wow, that's great. You know what? The days will come. The time is coming. When not one stone basically will be left upon another, on top of each other, the, the the stones will be thrown down. So Jesus is like this beautiful temple. You know what, you guys? It's going to be demolished. It's going to be totally demolished. And I I wonder if the disciples, if they're like, what? I wonder if their jaws just drop. What? 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 Jesus? What? What? What do you mean? Right? This. What Jesus is saying is going to be like it was in that time of Babylon when the first temple was demolished. This would be the collapse, the destruction of the temple, and the collapse of the whole temple system. Think about that. No more place for sacrifices. No more place to, to go and celebrate the feast. No worship there anymore. Yeah, no priests with duties to do there this would be the end of the way of Jewish religious life. It'll come to an end with the destruction. So, this is kind of crazy for what Jesus is saying. You know, on our trip to Israel, I, re- I I still picture in my mind there was a certain spot we went to, and 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 we could look over and we can actually see this these giant. You guys remember, yeah? These giant rectangular. Stones that, that were carved in this big rectangular block, just thrown on the side. And, and all these blocks just laying all over. You remember that? Yeah, we, we got to that vantage point. And I just picture what Jesus was predicting that we saw that. We saw what he had predicted there when we went to Israel. These There's still some foundational stones, pardon, but other stones have been thrown over and they're all like like laying around there. And actually, what, what's left, too, is part of the retaining wall of, of the, the temple and the, and, and the Jerusalem wall there and everything. And that's where the Jews go because it, that's all that's really left there, you know, standing. That's where they go and they do their prayers. It's known as the Wailing Wall or better known as the Western Wall, yeah? Um, but what Jesus said, all came to pass, you see, in 70 A.D., the Roman soldiers came in, lay siege to Jerusalem to squash a rebellion that was going on by, with the Jews. So they came in, lay siege, and they built these scaffolding all around the, the temple, all around Jerusalem, the walls and buildings. And they filled them with, like, wood and combustible material and lit it all on fire. And the heat was so hot, it began to affect the, the walls of stone and, and the temple catches on fire, whatever could catch on fire and all that. And, the, and, and it just crumbled, the, the stone I was reading. The the soldiers came in after that, plundered the treasury and the temple. And to get the gold that had melted between the cracks of the stones, they pushed down all this, the big building blocks basically of the temple and dismantled the temple stone by stone, pushing them on top of one another into the Kidron Valley. So that's exactly what Jesus had predicted. And today we can look back and say, whoa, what he predicted, yeah, came to pass about maybe almost 40 years after he had predicted this in 70 A.D. And at that time, that was the end of the Jewish religious way of life which is still the same today. So what we see here in these first two verses, before the end of the world, this is what Jesus is starting to put forth here, is that there's going to be the collapse of the temple system, and it was predicted by Jesus, and it all came true. The collapse of the temple system was predicted by Jesus, and it all came true. Amazing, yeah? Today we can. We're reading this today, and you can look it up on the internet. You can see those stones in Jerusalem there of the old this Herod's temple laying on the ground. In what Jesus said, what was going to happen? I saw a bumper sticker from a quote. Uh, someone quoted it. it said, "God said it. I believe it. That settles it." I like that. Right? What well, God says, it's going to happen. What well, God says, we believe it. And that settles it, because we know God what God says, what His Word says, it's gonna come true. It will come true. His Word is that reliable. What He predicts, what He prophesies, it is that solid, you guys. And we could look at this verse five and six six and go, wow, that proves it right there. Yeah, uh, uh, look over to Luke. 21, uh, look down to verse 33 or look over to verse 33 in the same chapter, Luke 20 uh, 33. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. It's going to go on forever. And I say this to just put into your heart that God's word is true. God's word, it, it is a fact. And even if It's a prediction for the future. It will come to pass. I mean, think about this. Think about it this way. Jesus is telling disciples, yeah, and it hasn't happened yet. We're on the other side of it where we live today, as we live today, and we see it did happen, right? Uh, 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 Disciples were alive. They saw it happen. They saw it come to pass. But think about this now. Jesus is going to be saying some more things later about the future, the end times, yeah? You think that what he says later is going to come to pass? I do, because what he first said came to pass. So the rest of the things he says in the rest of this chapter, it will come to pass. History is proving to us what Jesus said is true. The collapse of this temple system, which is still today, it was predicted by Jesus. It all came true. It's still happening right now. Now, this is what we see. So as we study the rest of this chapter, understand what God says. It will happen. And so God's word is totally reliable. And I want you to stop and think about that for a moment. Think about the promises of God. Think about the promises of his provision for you. Think about the promises that he's there for you and he'll he'll never, never leave you. Nor forsake you. Think about his promise that he loves you. Yeah. Think about that. You know what I was thinking about? I mean, if God's word is totally reliable, you know what that means? That means that what Jesus said he'd do on the cross. And what we read in the word and what he did on the cross. And what we read in the gospels and epistles or Paul wrote of what the cross him dying on the cross, His atonement for our sins. What, we, what that means in our life, our salvation, our new life, you know what that means? It's true. God's not going to tell us, oh, I died for you and, and to forgive you of all your sins and say, well, not really. No. What He did is true, right? And, and if, 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 if we know that through this we can be forgiven, made righteous, and God's going to give us a new life, we're going to be new creations. What does that mean? It's going to be true. Just as he said, hey, the temple is going to be dismantled here, and it came to pass, isn't that what is going, what that came to pass, isn't what he says about our life going to come to pass? Yes? Amen, right? You know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about Isaiah 53, 5. I shared this with someone today. And this is the NLT version. It goes like this. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Isn't that great to know? I need healing in my heart, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm lacking. I need to be made whole. But if that's what Jesus did on the cross, so that we could be made whole, that we could be healed of, of our our sins and healed of our our you know the the lack we have and the problems we have, if we could be made whole of what we like. That's why he died. That's what it says, Isaiah 53 5. So understand that nobody is too far gone, right? Nobody's too far gone. If you're connected and you're feeling like, oh, I don't know if I could ever be healed. I don't know if I could ever live right before God. I don't know, and and your confidence is really low. Think about what I just read in Isaiah fifty-three five. If Jesus died so that we can be made whole, you're going to be made whole. If Jesus died so you can be healed of everything, of I'm talking about in your heart, yeah in your soul, in your mind. You know, God can help you there. So if the collapse of the temple system was predicted by Jesus and it all came true, true, then you know what? Everything God said that he would do in your life in salvation will come true. So hold on to that tonight. Hold on to that. All right, so... He begins here about the signs before the end. He talks about the collapse of the temple system. Now, number two, we come to number two in our outline, and that is the crowd of false messiahs, the crowd of false messiahs. Now, here we're going to look at verse 7 and 8, and we're going to be covering those two verses. It says here, and they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place. Verse 8. And he said, See that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time, the time is at hand. Do not go after them. Okay, you can stop there. All right, so Jesus talks about, hey, the temple's gonna be dismantled, it's gonna be destroyed. And so the disciples hearing this, now they, they turn to Jesus and in verse seven, they go, They said, Teacher, Jesus went. When, key in on that word, when will these things be? And then also, what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? Now, in other words, they're like asking, you know, when will the end come? That's what what, what they're really asking. And, and what's going to be the sign that, that this is the end? And when they talk about that, understand something here. Now, it, it, even if this was maybe a little bit of a shock to think the whole temple would be dismantled and destroyed, you know, it wasn't totally, they they could accept that. You know why? Because at that time, the Jews believed that the dismantling of the temple would be part of what the Messiah would do when he comes. Now, let me tell you just a few things that they believed in. Their eschatology, you can say. Their end-time uh, theology or what they believe about the end of time and when the Messiah is going to come. And first of all, a couple things. There's a bunch of things, but I just want to give you a few things. One is right before the Messiah comes, it's going to be a time of great trouble. In a way, we understand it because we talked about the tribulation in our study in Revelation. But it's going to be a time of a lot of trouble in the world. So. They were like, oh, there's a lot of trouble going on. We're, we're under distress and trouble from the Romans. And, you know, they're oppressing us and, and you know, all that. So, they know, oh, hey, check that off the list. A second thing is that the Messiah would come and destroy all the nations who oppose God. And so they—that's what they thought. Remember, I—we talked about that. They thought Jesus, the Messiah, is going to come, take over the Romans, and set up his kingdom. That's what they really thought. That's why it like confused them when Jesus died on the cross, yeah, when he was arrested. But that's what they thought. That—that that was their theology. And another thing, as I mentioned, the third thing is that then the Messiah would renovate Jerusalem, and 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 part of that they believe would be a new temple, a new Jerusalem, and we've talked about that in the millennium in our studies in revelation and we're talking about the new jerusalem even currently on sunday morning but so that's what they thought so when jesus is like hey this temple is going to be demolished stone by stone you know they're probably starting to think jesus is talking about the end the end of the world the end of this world as we know he's talking about that you know oh this is exciting okay jesus well well when when is it going to come when is this going to happen, you know? And, and what's the signs for the end of the world? So understand when he talked, when Jesus talked about the temple being demolished, they got excited thinking that, oh, Jesus is talking about the end of the world as they believe would happen, all right? So do you understand kind of the flow here and what's going on? So they're like, okay, Jesus, when, when's that going to happen? Tell us. They're probably thinking, well, it's going to be soon. Jesus is going to take over. We're in Jerusalem. You know, he, he's going to declare himself king. He did already in a triumphal entry, and the, it's happening. It's happening. So, so when Jesus? And 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 Jesus, what's the signs now? What is what is the signs? So that's what they're asking. Well, Jesus basically. In his answer, it's kind of like, well, you know, guys, it's not like what you're thinking. (laughs) He knows what they're thinking. He knows the Jewish thought at that time. So he's like, well, it's not like what you're thinking. Um, There's some things that are going to have to take place before the Messiah, I bring in the kingdom, before the end of the world, quote unquote. So that's what he gets into. And he gets into eight. Hey, some things are going to happen, and some of these things, and and we understand today, is going to increase. It's going to get worse, you know. And I'll well, mention some of those things. But but he's like, here's some things that you got to understand that are going to happen first. So he really talks about the signs first before the when. Uh, what are these signs? So that's why I titled our message "The Signs Before." the end. So that's what he's talking about, some things that are going to happen, because they think it's right around the corner, but he's like, well, well, let me tell you some things. Well, he begins here now. He begins, and and verse 8, he begins, and he warns him, see that you are not led astray. Be careful that you're not misled here into thinking, yeah, that that the Messiah's here, this is the end of the world, and this is it, God setting up his kingdom. Because he says here, many will come in my name, saying I am he. So a lot of people are going to come and say, hey, I'm the Messiah. I'm here. I'm here to bring in the kingdom. Jesus said, watch out, because there's going to be a lot of people coming in. Like, time is at hand. It is now. I've come to bring in the kingdom. The end of the world is now. That's what he's saying. I'm bringing the kingdom, so this is the end of the world. And Jesus warns them, do not go after them. Don't go follow them because you know what? It's not me. That's what he's saying. You know, yeah. it's not me. It's, it's not true in what you see. So here, the idea is Jesus is saying many who will appear and claim to be the Messiah, uh, no, that's not what it's it's what it's going to be like. I mean, it's going to happen. Many will come, um, but but this is what's going to have to happen first. Many are going to appear. Yeah, it's going to be later after many appear that I will set up the kingdom. So watch out. He's saying. I was thinking about First John four one. It says, "Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into." the world. And it's true. Many false prophets in the time of the apostles were there saying, I'm speaking for God. But John's like, hey, test them. Make sure, you know, because a lot of people are going to claim that. And that's what Jesus is saying. A lot of people are claiming that I'm the Messiah, but don't follow them. But understand, that's got to happen first. That's got to happen first. So the first thing he puts out there, that it will not just be one guy, but many the crowd of false messiahs will be appearing on the scene, but don't be misled and follow them. So he warns them, first of all. He warns them. So it's not coming around in corner, of God's kingdom, but he's saying, no, no, there's, just, there's some stuff that got to happen first, and there's going to be a crowd of false messiahs. You know, throughout the centuries, many have appeared on the world scene claiming to be the Messiah. I, I picked up on some of them. And uh, some of you guys know, like, uh, Sam Young Moon, right? He's a Korean pastor. Moonies, maybe you heard of from long ago. He just, he died in 2012, maybe like only 10 years ago. But he claimed to be the Messiah that he's come to finish Christ's mission. He actually s- stood and claimed that. Uh, there's a guy named Henry Christo. A 60 year old who claims God spoke to him in 1979, that he is the reincarnation of Jesus. He lives on a, a farm, some farmland in Brazil, and says that's the New Jerusalem. Interesting. What Jesus said is, has come true. There's an A.J. Miller. He was once an IT specialist in Australia. Watch out, Stephen. No. He claims to have vivid memories of his crucifixion. And he says his wife, whose name Mary, is actually Mary Magdalene. And he leads a cult called Divine Truth. But he, he claims to be Messiah. There's a Japanese guy, Matayoshi Mitsuo, 73-year-old Japanese. He's a politician who claims he is the second coming of Jesus. And he, well, his mission is first to step in and take over japan's prime minister he actually ran in the elections he didn't win but his idea was to run and to uh become prime minister and then he's going to bring in the last judgment as prime minister there's another guy named hernandez a 21 year old who in 2011 if you might remember fired nine shots at the white house saying he is jesus christ and president obama is the antichrist so he needed to kill him He's been sentenced to like 25 years in prison. Another guy, Daniel Wasau, a Kenya man who walked around, all around with a wooden cross claiming to be Jesus, and then uh, he had his wife actually crucify him. Maybe he should have gotten some counseling first, but no. <laughs> anyway, you see there are many, many who have come in and claim to be the Messiah. Jesus said, hey, but don't follow him. There's many going to come. But we know that in the end, there will be an ultimate deceiver, and that's the Antichrist. Yeah, He'll come in as like the Savior of the world, and he'll be the ultimate one, and that will be the ultimate, the big sign that, hey, the end is here. And we're going to be talking about that um, a little later, but this is just a few of the crowd of false messiahs, you know, that, that have come in and out throughout history. So Jesus is like, don't believe them, you know, don't don't follow them. You know what? This is gonna happen. Guys are gonna come, but don't believe them. Because he knows he's gonna die on the cross and be confused. Yeah. So other people are gonna rise up. Yeah. So, like, well, I I've returned. He's like, no, no, no. Later we're gonna see that he'll tell the disciples, you'll know when I return, because I'm gonna come in, in all glory, right? Yeah, you'll know. But don't go following people like this. And so there's still some things that are to happen. One of them is these false messiahs, a whole crowd of them coming out. Now, you see why it's important to read and study the Bible? Because these guys I read, they have followers actually. They actually believe that, they actually dedicate their life to that. Some have sold everything, quit their jobs, and cashed it all in and given money to these guys, thinking that they are the Messiah. How do we know that they're not? Because of the Word of God, because of what Jesus is saying, because we know how Jesus will return, because of what we studied in the Bible. So if you know your Bible, then you know how off these guys are, right? We can have discernment of these things when we know what the Word of God says, and we know that they're not of God, and it's not of God, and they're not from God. And so, understand, that's why it's important to study the Bible, but I believe also to study prophecy, and that's what we're doing today. That's what we've been doing in the book of Revelation. That's what uh, why I want to take my time going through this uh, w- uh, here in Luke 21. Did you know, remember, they're on the 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 Mount of Olives, looking at the temple, and Jesus gives these things. Uh, what we're studying here is commonly known as the Olivet discourse because they're sitting on a Mount of Olives and Jesus is talking about the end times. Uh, parallel passages, as I mentioned, Matthew twenty-four, Mark thirteen, but it's known as the Olivet discourse. So it's in those gospels, and I believe Jesus three times it's in the this his his teaching here. So I believe it's important for us to know. End time prophecy, so we can recognize, especially in the day we live in today. And we'll get to that, but so we won't be deceived nor come to wrong conclusions about things. And especially here, if someone comes in, "Well, I'm the Messiah, I'm Jesus return." We can say, "Wait, mm, no, I don't. I don't know about that. Yeah, I know what the Bible says. I know what Jesus. I know what's true. I know what's." Real. I know the real Messiah. I read about a young Chinese boy who was being trained to be an expert on jade. Uh, his master teacher put a piece of jade in his hand, and, and then they just talked about things in the world, philosophy, people, the sun, the ocean, nature. They talk, talked about everything but jade, what he was holding in his hand. Every day, the boy would come to be trained, and every day, the same thing happened. The master teacher put uh, uh, the rock in his hand, you know, the precious jewel, the jade in his hand. They just talked. They talked about everything. Well, every day, the boy uh, would be trained this way, and then soon, he, he, he started to get frustrated, yeah? he And he got visibly uh, annoyed and upset because the master teacher didn't say anything about jade but did the same routine every day. Then one day, when the boy showed up, the master teacher put a, a, just a stone, not jade, something that was kind of like it, but just in his hand, put it into his hand. And right away, the boy's like, that's not jade. See, he would learned what true jade was by regularly handling it. And so it is with the Word of God. If we regularly handle it, study it, we will not be deceived and we can understand what's really true and who the true messiah is all right well the signs of the end we see the collapse of the temple system number two the crowd of false messiahs and our third heading for tonight is the conflict between nations the conflict between nations and uh, this is the rest of the verses we're going to cover tonight which is verse nine and ten Take a look with me here now. Verse 9 says, And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place. But the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Okay, we'll stop there. So then Jesus goes on to something else. Something else. Some other signs he's talking about that's going to happen before His return before the kingdom of God set up before the end of the world. He says, first of all, when you hear of wars and tomats, wars, you know, battles, tomats is, it means like commotion or unstable situations. The NLT translates that word insurrections. So Interesting. (laughs) In other words, when you hear of conflict, you know, when you hear wars going on between people, maybe times of civil unrest or, or, or the brink of war, the brink of un- unrest that's going to happen, you know what? Don't be terrified. Don't fear. Don't think, well, oh, no, this is it. This is, this is the, the end of the world. Don't be ther- terrified for what? These things must first take place. These things got to happen. It's going to happen in this world world and it's not the end the end when he says the end will not be at once in other words it's not going to end with this war it's not going to end with this unrest Um, these things got to happen remember the jewish thinking was well there's going to be a lot of trouble before the messiah comes and we see a lot of trouble so jesus must be the one who's going to bring in the kingdom the end is here now Jesus saying no 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 not not quite yet there will be and there's going and and we understand there's going to be an increase of these things yeah but it it, it doesn't mean the end is there it's not going to be even just one war and then the end there's going to be many conflicts through the history before the messiah actually returned. so in other words Jesus is saying Jesus is saying look wars conflicts civil unrest they're expected i mean think about it. that's how it's been from the beginning right i mean think about uh, from the beginning, when Cain killed his brother, right? That to me was about. There's the first conflict there in human history. From then on, tribes, people, groups, yeah, fought. There, uh, 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 certain uh, races were fighting. All kinds of things, yeah. Uh, 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 even the Tower of Babel, people fought against God. Yeah, there's all kinds of things. And so Jesus, even from his time, is going to say, "Hey, look." There's going to be a lot of conflict. Will there ever be peace on the earth? I know nations are going for that. I talked about that. Uh, There's different groups trying to promote that. The UN wants to bring that about, peace on earth. Will will it? Um, Yeah, there'll be peace on earth when Jesus returns and sets his rule and reign on earth. But until then, the sinful flesh of people, right, of human beings, it's going to create conflict and fighting and unrest between people, right? Before true peace can come into the world, there got to be a change of heart, yeah? A change of nature that only Jesus can bring. It it has to be dealt with, and only Jesus can do that in salvation. So Jesus says, hey, there's going to be wars. There's going to be these conflicts, these insurrections. There's going to be civil unrest. Hey, but don't Get all freaked out like, oh, this is the end. This is the end. No, no, no. It's not yet. It's not yet. And he adds in verse 10, then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. I mean, what is he was talking about countries. Yeah. Nations will go at war with each other. You know, there's it's, it's not just going to be some tribe or people or neighbors or something like that or cities of unrest or or, or one race against it. No. World nations, countries will go at war against each other. It's like like we saw World War One or World War Two, right? And 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 these things are gonna happen. And we understand it's gonna keep happening, it's gonna keep happening, even till like in Ezekiel 38, 39, um, when Russia and the coalition will come, but God will save Israel, that will happen. Or like in Daniel, when we did that study in Daniel, we understood that the Antichrist is going to be battling with different nations. Huh? It's going to be going on. We know, we understand from studies in Revelation that the last big battle is Armageddon. That's the one to look at. That's when really the end of the world When and then Jesus will come at that moment and defeat all the armies who who have come together to fight God, to fight Jesus. But, Nations in the world will fight each other before the end comes. And it's not just one war. It's been repeated many times by um, many people. They said, since the time of Christ, there has been 13 years of war for every one year of peace. That's a lot of unrest, right? War, conflicts going on. That's the way it is. That's what Jesus is talking about. Hey. Jesus saying understand that the conflict between nations will happen across the planet, but it's not quite the end yet. Yeah. And as I mentioned, like the 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 last battle is gonna be Armageddon. But before that, there's gonna be a lot of unrest, a lot of wars, things are gonna be going on. So Jesus is just giving them, hey, you know, don't think. The kingdom's coming around the corner. There's still a lot of wars, battles going to happen, which really brings us to this question, right? With Russia's invasion, you know, in Ukraine, the war in Ukraine, is that the end of the world? Does that mean Jesus is going to return now? Is that what we see? What's the answer? No, right? The war in Armageddon is the last battle, right? That's going to be the last battle. We don't know how it's going to turn out in the end of this war in Ukraine. But that question does come up. Is this the end of the world? Like like when the whole pandemic happened two years ago. That was a big question, yeah. People are asking, Oh, does this mean that we're in the tribulation? Does this mean that uh um um Jesus is gonna return? When the mask mandate came out, when the vaccine uh, mandates were being put out, people were saying, Oh, this is it. This is the 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 vaccine is a mark. That's the mark, you know? But is it? I I answered that question. We you know I forget months ago that well before you can have the mark you got to have the antichrist right. So it's not the mark, it isn't. See if you know the word, if you know prophecy, you can you can understand. You can kind of filter these things out. Like no no that's not what it is. So this war in U- U- Ukraine does 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 that mean this is the end? No, it isn't. We know a lot of events got to transpire before Jesus returns and the end of the world comes. Listen, when when these world events happen, whether it's the Middle East stuff or pandemic or Russia's attack or what, whatever comes on the scene, should we panic? Should we fear? You know, what, what, what do we do with that? Well, we got to have faith. We got to believe. Well, wait, I know it. Prophecy says, so it isn't the end of the world. Something's going on, yeah? But I'll tell you what we can hold on to. Hold on to this. God has not lost his hold on creation. Understand that. He's still holding on there. I always think about Jeremiah 32, 27. It says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? You know, it's not like God said, oh, no, I don't know what to do. Oh, I lost control. No, he's still sovereignly. Working. And that's the second thing I want you to know. God is sovereignly working in the world. Sinclair Ferguson said the fact that we cannot see what God is doing does not mean that He is doing nothing. I love that. Take a look at that on the screen. Isn't that great? So when you look at this this Russian attack in Ukraine, the unrest, even the economy, the world economy, uh inflation, how it's affecting the whole the whole world here, yeah. Um, Oh, no, the world's falling apart. Uh, Yeah, but you know what? Somehow God is still solidly working. And I love this quote from Sinclair Ferguson because the fact that we cannot see what God is doing doesn't mean he's not doing anything, right? Think about that in our lives, you guys. Don't you feel that sometimes? And We were saying that earlier, right? That thought of, of, even if I can't see you, you're still working, yeah? But we're the opposite. God, I can't see you working, so are you really working? We doubt, but we got to in faith believe that God is sovereign and still working, even if we can't see it, even in our perspective. So in world events, we got to understand God is still sovereignly working. And then here's one more thing I want you to just, just put in your heart, and this is this, that What we're reading today, Jesus gives us enough to know how things will go in the end. He's laid out in the Bible. God has given us these things. Revelation, Daniel, 1 Thessalonians, what we're seeing in this chapter, in the Olivet Discourse. God, Jesus here, gives us enough to know how things will go in the end. How we can interpret things in the world. That's why Jesus talked with the disciples here, and that's why I think God put it in here, both in, you know, Matthew, Mark, and here, and also the book of Revelation, so we can understand and not freak out, Yeah, go, no, wait, wait, no, something, you know, this isn't the end yet, yeah? So we can understand. So Jesus gives us enough. We don't know everything, not every detail, but he gives us enough to know what, how it's going to be laid out, in the end. See, what I think about this Russian attack on Ukraine, I mean, how does that relate to Bible prophecy? Well, I—I I, this is me, and you can study it and think about it, um, and, um, but you know what I think? I mean, we don't see in the Bible a prophetic word that, oh, Russia is going to go into Ukraine, take it over and do all this stuff. No, we don't see anything, but what I think how it relates to Bible prophecy is this, is that it it's a precursor. It's a foretaste of how the world will react when Russia leads a coalition of Middle East nations against Israel. Ezekiel thirty-eight thirty-nine. That's what I think. I think it, maybe it's even Russia testing, you know, things, testing the world. What are they gonna do? Yeah, I I you probably been reading articles to that. Most likely China is watching Russia too because what they want, Taiwan, yeah? They want to take Taiwan, so China's probably like, hey, let's see what the world is going to do. After the whole Af- Afghanistan f- pullout, the U.S. looks weak in the world, yeah? Ch- and so China's like, oh, the U.S. not going to do nothing, yeah? Is the U.S. going to do something here? No, we don't want to get into World War III, nuclear war, all that, right? So it's a, it's a sticky situation. We're doing everything else. But how far will Russia Russia go? They may keep going, take over Ukraine. I don't know. But it could be a foretaste, right, of what will happen when Russia comes into Israel, which is prophesied in Ezekiel 38. And it seems like in Ezekiel 38, I think it's verse 13, that the other nations seeing this happen basically can't do anything. they just protesting. So it's kind of interesting in what we're seeing today. So what, what, whatever it is, yeah, um, exactly. I don't know, but I know God's in control. Yeah, I know that Jesus gave us enough to understand that. Well, this isn't the end of the world yet. Yeah, there's some steps still. There's some things we're still waiting for to see, but this could be one step into those prophecies that we know for sure. So that's how we 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 look at that. So before the end, these are some of the signs, though. Yeah, these are what Jesus talked about. Um, we're living in incredible times, you guys. We're living in major historical times. Yeah, I mean this pandemic. Yeah, the the this war in Ukraine, um, other things that are going on right now. It all seems to me. Be setting up the stage for the, the rise of the Antichrist, a one-world government, to set the stage for the attack on Israel by Russia, leading this coalition of nations. It, it, all of this that we're seeing—we're living in historic times—and and it just tells me, you know what? It's what Jesus said: "Hey, these things are going to happen." Yeah. And and don't. Freak out because it's not the end yet. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I understand now, Lord, what you're saying. I understand. Oh, okay. But I know what's going to happen. And I know when the end will really come. So he's saying, these are signs before the end, though. And I feel like that every day we live is one day closer to the return of Jesus. Yeah, That's what I feel like, every day. And we're we're living in these last days. We're li- I mean, the days are counting down to me and what I see so the coronavirus the pandemic the the Ukraine war all, it's not the end yeah and what we study in Revelation we're not in the tribulation yet what we study in the Bible in First Thessalonians and Revelation that, hey the rapture's gonna happen first and if you're a Christian we're gonna go home first before all this yeah yeah so we just see it as well here's some more signs of these wars, of these crazy people coming up as messiahs. When you read that in the news, oh, there it is. Jesus talked about it, yeah? There are signs that, hey, we're heading toward the end. You know, in the parallel passage um, in the it, Discourse, in Matthew 24, verse um, 8, I believe, uh, Jesus said this, All these are but the beginning of birth, that's what it is. Yeah, it's birth pains. They're only labor pains, right? Labor pains come first before the baby comes. So, they're just—I guess you can say—indicators. That was the word I was thinking about. These are indicators of what's coming soon. Yeah, these are indicators. You know, you—you—you you, you can tell. I—I sometimes I'm at a surf spot. I look down. Look. Down the coast, I know it's going to break over here before it comes here. And so I look at the indicator. Well, <laughs> oh, if I see, see some white water over there, then I know it's coming here soon, you know. In a few minutes, so it's going to be here. They're indicators. All this is indicators. Coronavirus, war in Ukraine, all that we're going through, our economy, our nation, what's going to happen with our nation? They're all indicators, you know, of what's coming soon. So look at it that way, but if they're indicators, then that should speak to you. And we're going to get more into that, how it affects our life. Yeah, in seeing these things. I'll close with this: a, a man who lived on Long Island was able to one day um, buy this uh, barometer. It was like a lifelong ambition. It's an old story. Uh, Before digital technology, but he he wanted to buy this really nice barometer, and finally saved up. He was able to buy it. Uh, When when the barometer arrived at his home, he was totally disappointed because the needle appeared to be stuck, pointing to the section marked "hurricane." And he thought, "It's broken." He shook the barometer, you know, banged on it, and and so he wrote this letter. Uh, uh, to the store, which he ordered it from. And then um, he went in the following morning, he went to his office in New York, and, uh, uh New York City or, or so, and he mailed the letter. And that evening, when he returned home to Long Island, he found not only the barometer was missing, but his house also, because the needle was right, saying that there was a hurricane coming. That's what we have to understand. These are indicators... Of what's coming. Like this barometer telling us, oh, hurricane, you know, it measures that. That's what we're seeing. They're indicators. And let me say one more thing here. Sometimes, yeah, we can't see God. Sometimes it's hard to understand if he's there. But God still gives you indicators, you know. I call it fingerprints. Little miracles in the day, yeah. Something he's He's done like, oh, you know. An answer to prayer maybe, a little answer, or or a little miracle. He he saved you from an accident, you know. Or, or all of a sudden, oh, there's some extra money. You paid this bill, you know. And you may be going through some huge problems, but there's one thing here, one thing there. That's an indicator, you know what? That God is here, that God is still working. Just like these are indicators that God is still at work in the world. You know what? Look for those indicators that God is still at work in your life. So trust what we're learning here. Trust what we're finding here in the prophecies of the end about what we're seeing in the signs before the end. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking these things to the disciples. And today we can read it. Today we can learn. Today we can understand better. And being on this side, God, of the temple destruction—it only boosts my faith. Thinking how, the, the how you predicted that, and it happened, and I saw it with my own eyes that it had happened. And if that happened, God, everything else you're you've, you're saying here in this passage is going to happen, and we've seen a lot of it has happened, God, in how you said, the Lord. We want those things to be indicators, Lord, not of just what's coming around the corner. Indicators of, of, of yeah, down the road is going to be the end of the world or the tribulation. Soon will be the rapture. Lord, not just that, but indicators that your word is true. Indicators that you are here. You're still moving. You're still working. Even in a world that seems to be going out of control, God, you are sovereignly. In control, and God help us to see that not just in the world, but in our own lives also, that we can stop and trust in You, in these things. That no matter our troubles today, God, no matter what the trials and tribulation are, no matter the battles, no matter the heartache, even our own failures, God, You're greater. You're sovereign. You're working, God, that you, it, it's your arm never gets tired, Lord. Nothing's too hard for you. And so, Lord, we look for the little indicators showing us, no, you're still here. There's still something there. You're still doing something. So let our eyes of faith see through the troubles and the storm and lock on to that light that indicator, God, that you are here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being our God, our awesome and mighty God. Thank you. Help us to trust in you more. In Jesus' name, amen.